Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon. And I'm Father Travis Crotty. And as always, it's good to be with you. Absolutely. We're actually here in the in the place we keep talking about in intro music. We're here in Sioux City. We are. We're we recording are. in Sioux City right today. Right in the middle of town, downtown. Uh, we're at Helan. Bishop Helan High Your School. Your alma mater. My alma mater, third generation, 71-year history. Wow. Did you get a special badge or something? Family no, of the year? no. But my grandmother is in the first graduating class. Wow. She, she was in the first graduating class of 50, and then my parents graduated in 72. And then my siblings and I came along after that. No need to tell when you graduated so that we know how old you are. That's fine. Okay. However, <laughs> Anyways, here we are moving on. <laughs> um, Beautiful new school. It is. Really new. When was it finished? A couple of years last year? Well, I think, it, so it was opened in phases. The uh, The fine arts wing was opened up in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then the academic wing opened up. We were like moving like Christmas or of 17, mm-hmm. January of 18, we opened up with classes. Ah. And, and then, then, and then big deal, the old school that she spent so much time in was tragically torn down. Well, it was. All, all good things must come to an that's end, right, right? That's right. Um. Yeah, the old building has been raised. It just wasn't going to be feasible to remodel yeah. it, and the roof was literally collapsing on us. And it's a beautiful building. What I love, I'm looking at right now behind you in this room, you had some beautiful images of saints put up all over the all over the building. Yeah, so in the old building, there are lockers on both sides of the halls. Mm-hmm. And on the, in this building, there's only lockers on one side. So we had these enormous span, uh, spans of uh, drywall. Right. And I tank beige drywall, lots of it. Right. So I started thinking, I've been to a few places, um, St. Meinrad, uh, School of Theology in mm-hmm. Arch Abbey in sure. Southern Indiana. They've got some beautiful halls decorated with images of saints. And it's a, it's a kind of a decorating theme in other places as well. And so I got online and I just kind of started looking and, uh, Tracy Christensen out in the Seattle area, she's got a website called Portraits of Saints. Which are portraits of saints. They are. It turns out it's in the name. Yeah. And there's tons of them. And she does them all by hand with colored pencil. Mm -hmm. And her sister, I think, kind of does the marketing and runs the business side of it. And they're surprisingly unique. It's not like they're all just like carbon copies of of the other ones with just like different variations. They're like almost completely unique. They are. I think they're very lifelike. They're very relatable. And so we've tried, there's 51 saint images around the Mm. the campus in the halls with um, biographies, little captions from each of them. And they correspond to the classrooms they're by, right? We, yes. We, we try to plan that out. We, you know, we have some of the Cristeros movement uh, martyrs down in the Spanish department. Very good. Uh, we put St. Augustine in the, um, in the English department, you know, because like his confessions, the he very... could have been by the kitchen with the pears. Ooh, that'd been good. Didn't think of that. Uh, next time. Next time. Next time I you know, <laughs> decorated decorate high school. High school. <laughs> yeah, I can remember that. Yeah, next time. Um, but no, I, the reason I wanted him in the English department is that he's the one who kind of invented the genre of an autobiography yeah. with his confessions, sure. which is still to this day, what is it now, 1,600 years old, and it's still to this day on the New York Times bestseller list. Wow, that's great. Yeah. So I'm looking at St. Kateri Tekakwitha, however you say that, mm-hmm. and St. 
Nowen? Is that? Oh, St. John Neumann of Neumann. Philadelphia. There he is. Third, bishop, the, third bishop of Philly. What's this little section here? Why well, we these are North American section. This is these are North American saints. So there's classical saints like you know um, Thomas Aquinas, obviously a patron of Catholic schools. Right. Um, Saint Patrick. Right. I mean, the, I Dominic. Like, uh, Saint Saint uh, Catherine of Alexandria, who always has the wheel of misfortune, as some say, like the yeah. huge like, spike wheel that she was supposedly martyred on. It's there in her picture. She's up in the math department. But I'm not saying that math is a field of misfortune or anything. <laughs> ah, I understand because the torture of math is no. like a big, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I relate to that. Yeah, but we, I tried to also create uh, a space not only where we could teach educationally and historically about uh, kind of some North American saints, but also contemporary saints. Yeah. Like Chiara Badano, we've got her image. That's wonderful. Um, obviously, Maria Gretti, patroness of purity and of youth from right. the 20th century. Um, who else? Josephine Paquita, yeah, uh, a Sudanese saint who you know, a, a freed slave, right? Um, Jose Sanchez del Rio of the Cristeros movement. Um, so there's some young saints. Oh, uh, Stanley Rother is oh, here yes. of Oklahoma. Blessed Stanley Rother. Blessed, right. yes. So um, is it Rother or Rother? Rother, I think it is Rother. Okay, yeah. You um, can be corrected though, but regardless. So if you ever, I don't know you know, what time of day you could stop by and come into a COVID high school. But right. someday, Probably not. you know, come peruse the halls of Bishop Heelan High School. That'd be yeah. pretty cool to see. But anyways, we're great. Love them. Well, good. Father Travis, um, back in 2012, we're going back a little bit When I here. was a sophomore in college. Sure. We're going back a little bit. Back in 2012. Going way back. <laughs> there was um, a YouTube video that was released called Why I Hate Religion but love Jesus. I'm quite familiar. Yes. yes. Well, you and many others, because it has received over 34 million views on YouTube. One might call that viral. I would agree. Yes. By definition, it went viral. When this came out, um, it caught some of my students' attention when I was the chaplain of Fort Dodge St. Edmunds. And I remember very clearly one morning, um, I was laying in bed. It was a Monday morning. It was my day off, so I didn't have the morning mass in the in the in the church, and so I, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. I don't know if it was just kind of the creativity juices were flowing. But I I got up and I kind of wrote um, uh, a manifesto, a homi- really a manifesto, right. indeed. Right. Um, I kind of wrote this little homily. It's kind of like a long poem, and it rhymes. Uh, the original video of why I hate religion but love Jesus. He's kind of rapping it's in this spoken word. Yeah. yeah, spoken word. Yeah, that's yeah, that's a genre there where it's not it's like it's like speaking like passionately a, a poem right presenting it right right and there, you know, there's kind of a nice beat behind right. it you know in the background music and things and, and the videography is well done and he's he's kind of denouncing the hypocrisy of everyone who seems to poison the concept of organized religion but yet he is still himself uh having gone through some i think pornography addictions i think he mentions in the video he himself has kind of come to a, a, an embrace of Jesus as a personal Savior, right. but not necessarily an embrace of Christ's bride, the church. Right. Rejection of, and it's uh, the, the video, if I remember, is a explicit rejection of the institutionalized religion of Christianity. Right. And trying to step away from that. A very, very like clear, like non denominational, non Catholic Christian move of, right. we want Jesus, break away from the kind of, you know. Right. We all want chain of the church, yeah. Right. We want to be an individual, so we're going to break away. And then the minute we all break away, we're going to huddle up and be a group again. 
Right. <laughs> because we are going to unite with t-shirts because we are the breakaways from the ball and chain church. And then you become breakaway church. Right. With your own logo and everything. So anyways, um, I thought I might just share uh, some share the homily that I had given to the St. Ed students. We're kind of dusting it off here today. But I think it's still uh, very good. Um, it's, I think it's still very um, applicable to so many situations that we deal with in which people say, yes, Jesus, no church. Absolutely. All right. So here we go. Not the world premiere. Yeah, that we've had that we've had the first premiere way back when in 2012. But right. dusting it off, dusting off the it shelf off. for you, the our encore. podcast listeners. The encore performance. Right. Here we go. Now I give this guy props for his faith in the Lord. It cannot be easy to turn away from the porn. For when he came out from darkness and into Christ's light, he understood that with grace comes power and might. Yet power and might aren't by our efforts alone. But from the Lord's strength can new seeds be sown. And how are these seeds planted if not from within the church? For to come to Christ Jesus is not only through your own search. For grace comes from on high by sacramental power, a power that begins by a baptismal shower. Now I agree that being a Christian is more than just having a name, for we must put into practice the truths that we proclaim. But to put these truths into practice doesn't mean that we do it alone, for we support and help one another and call a religion our cherished home. Yet this guy seems confused, almost contradicting himself, saying he loves Christianity but hates everything else. Yes, it's true that sinners take part in Christ's church, but show me someone perfect or back down from your judgmental perch. And to the perfect and healthy, came not our holy Lord, but for the sick and the needy was his blood on a cross outpoured. And yes, the scandals and mistakes continue as they will, but don't blame Christ's church for the mistakes of the ill. Christ's church is holy by the presence of his Spirit, yet choices and freedom continue for us all as they will it. And to choose evil and turn from all that is good is to exercise free will, a divine gift, if you would. Though this guy thinks that religion is all about man, but real religion is a family, a family who says that, yes, we can. Yes, we can unite as a family of love, a family for God who reigns in heaven above. And what do you make of Christ's command to break bread if you practice your faith all alone in your head? Christ said he came not to abolish but to fulfill, a mission that continues until all bow their will. I've said it before and I'll say it once more, that faith is not only what we expect to be in store, but faith is a journey toward the inner life of God, a journey that with each step leaves one humbled and awed. And a vibrant faith alive in the soul can't lead a lifestyle with only one's self in control. For a faith without instruction is too personal and loose, never grounded in the practices that the first Christians sought to induce. Now there are lots of those who say they believe, yet lack that supportive group on which they can cleave. For if we all believe that Christ is the Lord, then why wouldn't we unite? 
to become one body of the adored. Christ prays in John's Gospel that all may be one, a goal to which our Church now continues to run. And our tradition is guided by the power of the Spirit, so that the truth stays authentic and that all might indeed hear it. What on earth would we know of Christ without his church? For through her we must pass, if we'll ever fulfill the search. Without a religionist family, one is sailing blind, as you try to find Christ Jesus and leave the tradition behind. I've said it before, and I'll say it once more. How do you know about Christ without the church and her door? Thank you for the applause there, you know. Thank you. Yeah, well done. Thank you. That was good. Yeah, I mean, that's getting me all revved up because I remember watching that (laughs) video and feeling like really passionate um, about it. It, When you read scripture, Jesus founds a church. And that Mm -hmm. was our our ecclesiology professor made that so clear, walking us through scripture to show us these church founding moments of Jesus. He calls these 12 men together who are clearly the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel, this body, this people— that had, as we see in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, a structured, hierarchical, religious life and culture, right? That could support a people to be brought into and to go out to the world to then, I mean, spread. And then that would ultimately be fulfilled in Christianity. But that Jesus calls these 12 men to be the new pillars of this new people mm-hmm. will be gathered in and then are called his body, the church, right? We're made the body of Christ. This is so scriptural. And I understand that people get hung up on institutions. I was just listening to a First Things podcast with this sociologist who wrote a book recently about Generation Z and surveys they've taken of a ton of Generation Z or the Zoomers. Mm -hmm. The reality is that all institutions are suspect, not just the church, the government, military, police, but they're inspired by influential adults in their life. Mm Mm-hmm. But this whole idea that institutions can never be trusted because they're just these corrupt old structures, almost like a brick and mortar building that's falling down. Right. But Jesus builds a church and then invites us into that through the Holy Spirit. So I mean, mm-hmm. like that's the truth of what's revealed. Right. I might I might just clarify that saying that he built a church, not necessarily an institution. Correct. Correct. You know, correct. he he built a body of believers to continue his mission to be a family of love. Right. Uh, to break bread with one another and receive grace from on high. And then obviously over time, if you're going to get yourself organized and as a human being, that's what we do. Right. Right. I mean, we build streets, we elect city council members, we have, you know, the local school board. I mean, human beings organize themselves and therefore voila, an institution is born, which has its own history and almost kind of can take on its own shape and persona. And what we've seen through church history when we really study that. And church history, the whole thing, not just like some small kind of like pigeonholed view of church history, but looking at church history, the reform that's happened in church history often was like a breaking down of the institution and a rebuilding of it where it had become kind of lethargic or infected with sin. And I just remember church history so often it was like, like priestly celibacy and simony, like, you know the greed of of office right. those were always reformed time and again because right. we need to be called to something greater well because these institutions are needed for the sake of organization for the sake of the mission and to help with the governance of the church 
mm-hmm. uh, so that we're not just all going off in 1,800 different directions. So that the poor might be fed, so that the gospel might be proclaimed to new, new, new people who've never heard it. Right. But the minute you, you create one of those institutions, it has the potential, it runs the risk of being very insular. Mm-hmm. You know, this navel-gazing can, you know, uh, start to immediately infect one to say, well, I'm no longer, you know, running the institution for the sake of the mission. I'm just running the institution for the sake of the institution. Right. And I'm going to look awesome in that high, mighty office. Right. You know, and that's, I think that's true with any institution. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's religious or secular. Well, what we see is like the first apostles experience that in Judas, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like he's the one carrying the purse and the money and that took his attention away from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Just like any kind of place of power or place of authority within a structure of church governance. And this isn't just in the Catholic church. This is all the, like you said at the beginning of this, of this podcast, it's like groups that break away as a fringe group will inevitably become a group mm-hmm. because people organize together and then there's corruption with a certain pastor, and then people will break off and start their own church. This goes back to the beginning of the church. Sure. I, I always find it a little arrogant for someone to want to break off from Christianity and say, well, we have found the way. You know, we, we are the enlightened ones. Well, okay, maybe you have belonged to a group that has become a little infected, no one has ever claimed to have Christianity perfected at any point in, in church history. Right. But what I find arrogant is this sense that, well, we can break away and we can just kiss goodbye our inheritance because we wouldn't know anything about Christianity right. without the group from which we are leaving. <laughs> yes. You yeah. know, uh, it, it's, it's, it's very ungrateful. It's... it's um, there's kind of a condescension to say that, well, okay, you've taught us about Jesus, you've taught us about Christianity, you institutional church, we're leaving and we're kind of pillaging you and we're going to take what we want from you and we're going to go do it our way, uh, but we don't want an institution, even though we wouldn't know anything about Jesus without your institution first. Right, well, and it, you know, it's now especially, I think, especially since 2012, this is a cult, this has been a cultural move, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, Western, it's like Christian Western society culture. Yeah, leave your beautiful paintings that came from churches in the in the Louvre in Paris because like those are nice. Like it's nice that they were made for churches, but like please bring the Caravaggios to the museum. Leave those, but please take anything that demands like any kind of you know faith from me. Sure, out. it's like you know those are beautiful, those are nice. Leave sure. the churches so we can go visit those, but right. take your. Uh, I don't know, your religion with you. Yeah. So I think this this topic of of hating religion in terms of the institution, in terms of the, the politics that can arise anytime a group of people unite uh, to be with one another, I think this is a timely topic that comes up again and again and again. Uh, and yet Jesus never calls us to go at this alone. Yeah. We don't just get to go kind of receive sanctifying grace on our own. Mm-hmm. Like you just don't go find that in the woods by yourself, you know. It comes from the body of believers uh, through apostolic authority and tradition handed down from the very first generation of of Jesus' disciples. Uh, So this can't just be kind of created on one's own. Mm -hmm. And the minute you try and do that, not only have you really distanced yourself from the body of believers and the tradition, uh, you're trying to go at this without any of the grace that that the Holy Spirit continues to provide through the church as the instrument on earth. Right. Um. So for those who are really struggling with scandal in the church, for those who have been disedified by other, uh, by clergy, religious, other laity, 
those who think that I'm, I'm going to go out and search for a more perfect community, uh, do not forget that Christ founded his church upon those who are sinners, uh, and he continues to call the church, as Pope Francis says, to be the field hospital in the midst of all of us, the walking wounded, who are journeying through life, trying to do this together, and very humbly on our knees, relying on the Holy Spirit to keep sanctifying us as a body of believers. Right. So, with those thoughts, just want to thank everybody for tuning in. Yeah, absolutely. Continue to pray for the church as the body, that she continues to heal, and that she continues to be a light and a witness to all the world. Father Travis, always a pleasure to be with you. Likewise, Father Shane, thank you for your really incredible spoken word poem. Rap career in the future? Possibly. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.